You know what? We were better when we got that little warm-up to start the, the morning. Your voices just like came through so much clearer after that, so maybe we'll mess up more often. Um, we're going to take some offering for these next couple songs before Nick comes up. Nick's going to talk about the ministry fair. I just want to say one thing about our worship band. Uh, we put together a little profile back there, so there's some bookmarks with each individual band member. If you go back there, it's like an army of people. Um, I want to encourage you guys, grab a bookmark of somebody you want to pray for throughout the year. It's going to be sad if there's going to be like one or two people left back there. So let's make sure that it's like taken after church because we don't want Brandon Short to have his heart hurt. He said he was worried he's going to be the last one taken already. So, so make sure he's the first one. Like right now, actually, somebody go back there and take Brandon's so he just feels better. Thanks. Okay, cool. All right, let's sing some songs together as we take these offerings. And... It's, isn't it fun to come and just, you know, you go through the craziness of the week and then you're in church and sometimes it's just like, ah, oh, all right, nice. Now we can just sit here, focus on our Savior, praise him together, be with some family here, uh, and just be able to connect with our God. And so that's what I encourage you to do now is just let go of all that other stuff and, and do your ah uh, as we can come before our Savior and, and sing out to him. this morning that makes it fun i got really distracted though because brody walked in with a fedora on his head and it looks so cute i stopped singing nice job but he doesn't have it on now so you have to see it later father our Knees on the ground, our hearts before you, is the only possible way that our inner being, that our real life touches the sky. Of everything else in this world that we could reach for, of everything else in this world that we could kneel to, we kneel to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And so as we kneel to you, God, our lives touch the sky and we claim that promise that you have given to us that you came to give life and to give it more abundantly. And so we claim that promise this morning. And so I pray that for all the joy, for all the happiness, Father, in things that don't matter, I pray that you would put an end to that this morning but that we would be brought to our knees to worship only the King of Kings so that we can actually really, in reality, touch the sky. So, Father, we stop. We stop right now believing Satan's lies that there are things in this world that can fulfill us like Jesus. Because there's not. Only Jesus can give the abundant life. Only Jesus can set us free from our sins. Only Jesus can help us soar on wings like eagles to touch the sky. So we claim that promise this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Let's sing it together. Oh, I'm just kidding. Y'all were nervous right there.
my wife, her, her heart just skipped a beat. Because I, I was about to become one of those people we make fun of. Uh, just kidding. You know those people? You know those people? Like they're trying too hard. To, I just, yeah. You have my permission to not make fun of them. Um, anyway, ministry fair. Right after this, we believe that um, for followers of Jesus in the Holy Spirit, every single person who is a follower of Jesus, has been given a gift called a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit in order to serve the church and build the church up. We also believe that everybody has a certain amount of natural talent given to them that can also be used to serve other people. And so after this, right after this, you can leave this room and you'll see all, you've already seen all the tables and stuff set up. Um, you could tell the one I made, is made was made by a man because uh, it's the men's booth. Um, so I just thought fitting to not put too much work into it um, and make it look black and white. And that's exactly what it is. Um, so anyway, we're going to do that right after this. Stop by all the booths that you can um, and see where God might want you to serve as a part of his church. Secondly, uh, you know that we did Farrell's. And um, my trainer, I call him my trainer because I learned a lot from him, and uh, his name's Javier. He, he, he is real, if you didn't know that, and he's here this morning. Don't look, but up on the balcony, uh, they're filming this morning uh, for a show that he started called The Preacher and the Gym Guy. Um, you guess who the preacher is? That's me. And the gym guy is him. You'll know who he is because his shirt doesn't quite fit right. Because um, you can see his muscles through his shirt. Just saying. Um, not quite as fit as I am, but uh, he's getting there. Um, but this is a sweet opportunity that we have um, that he wanted to create this thing called the Preacher and the Gym Guy uh, through the Tool Project. His name is Javier Tool. And the Tool Project is all about helping people get healthy, um, but also to care for needy uh, people who don't have as much. Um, and so that's what that's all about, and I wanted to be a part of it. He wanted me to be a part of it. We want to focus on the whole body, uh, physical and spiritual. Um, so be looking on Facebook for YouTube channel videos from the preacher and the gym guy. We talk about occupying your street. We've talked about that a lot at the beginning of this year. And so I asked the question again, how are you doing occupying your street? Your street is not defined as just the street that you live on and who your next door neighbors are. Your street is defined by who you live by, but where you go to work, everywhere that you frequent on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, even your mechanic, right? Your barber, you go to the salon, you go to the gym, wherever you go, on a regular basis, that's your street, and we want to seek to saturate that with the gospel and the love of Jesus. And one of the things that um, God has impressed on my mind lately, I, uh, usually on Thursday mornings, I go to, to Panera uh, for a meeting with my mentor, breakfast, and uh, we didn't go this time, this, this Thursday, but every Thursday morning, the same uh, people helping us at the, at the counter are there, right? So we didn't go this Thursday morning, but I did have a meeting at Panera um, on Thursday afternoon. I showed up, and one of the girls that works there every Thursday morning was there working, and she says, um, 
man, you are really late today. I was like, oh, yeah. So I explained it to her and everything. And then I got home, and I realized that every single time Thursday morning I had gone to Panera, I had gone there for a meeting with my mentor. But what I didn't realize until I said it out loud was that now Panera had become part of my street, right? So I got home, and I said, Heather. And it's like, this is a revelation or something to her. I said, hey, Heather, Panera's part of my street. Okay. That's a good show. Okay. Yeah, do it then. Do it. Panera's part of my street. And my challenge to you is sometimes you don't realize what is part of your street until you say it out loud. Okay? So go home. On your, on your ride home today, I want you to name to whoever's in the car with you what your street is. Okay? Like I was talking to Heather a couple weeks ago and uh, trying to figure out where she's going to kind of meet with people for coffee. And uh, she said, I'm going to meet at Hy-Vee. That sounds weird. But there's a Starbucks at Hy-Vee. It's not a caribou at Hy-Vee because we don't go to caribou. Right? I'm just kidding. Love, I love Patty. I just don't like caribou. Um, so she goes to Starbucks at, uh, <laughs> at Hy-Vee. And you could run into a lot of people you know at Hy-Vee. It's a huge place to be your street. And she decided Hy-Vee is going to be my street. And you name it out loud, and all of a sudden, when you walk into the place that you have named out loud as your street, intentionality is on your mind. Because if you can name something as your street, next time you go to the barber shop, okay, say to yourself, this is my street. God and the Holy Spirit, help me to occupy this street with the gospel, okay? So try that on the way home today. Um, after this series is over, this is the last day of our series um, called Basics. Um, after this series is over, we're going to go into a series called Psalms, Our God, Who Is. Okay, so this says, Our God, dot, dot, dot. Every single week, we're going to have a, Our God, Who Is, dot, dot, dot. It could be Our God, Who Is Our Shepherd, Our God, Who Is Our Provider, Our God, Who Is, every single week in the book of Psalms. We're not going to do the whole book, but that's where we're going next. I've heard it said, if you want to relate to God, read the book of Psalms. If you want to learn how to relate to people, read the book of Proverbs. So this is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I want you to turn in your Bibles right now to Romans chapter 8. It's going to be on the screen as well. You can pick up a pew Bible. Um, Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament. And I thought the best way to preach this this morning, um, some passages in the Bible they just preach themselves better than others. And this one preaches itself really good. And so we're just going to go through it, and we're going to let it preach itself. It doesn't mean I'm just going to read it to you, um, but it's going to preach itself. And then we're going to have um, our final testimony. It's not our final testimony of the year, but for this series, Mike McKeever is going to come up and share his testimony with us. Um, on my, in my Bible, it's 944, page 944, so if you have the same exact Bible as me, that's where you're at. Um, if not, you're going to be so lost. That's okay. It's not really. It's on the screen if you need it. Verse 28, Romans 8, 28. Today we're going to talk about our future, the basics, the basic of the gospel called our future. We've talked about the basic of the gospel called sin, which is bad news which we need to be rescued from the penalty of sin. We talked about the basic of the gospel called atonement, which means that Jesus paid 
for our sin and death debt, right? That's good news. Last week, we heard a story from Jesslyn um, about her and, her and Mark and uh, how they had faith through some really, really hard times. I would say some of them are impossible times, but they had faith through that because Jesus is their Savior and they can trust um, and Tim talked about faith last week, and this week we're going to talk about future. What is in store for everyone who is in Christ? Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, it says, and we know, okay? We may have had doubts along the way, but through our experience, this is what we are convinced of. And we know that for those who Love God. Don't leave that part out, okay? A lot of times we say, and we know that God works everything together for the good, right? And then we go and live our life exactly how we want it to live, not pursuing God, and we expect it's all going to work out together for good. It's not true. Because what does it say? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to to his purpose. Now, after we hear a story like last week, and Jesslyn tells us about how she lost her dad at seven, how her and Mark lost a baby girl in the womb, and they now have a son with CF, how do you live that life and say that everything works together for the good of those who love God? Because I could tell you this, that Mark and Jesslyn love God, and they've committed their lives to loving God and to making him known to other people. But how do you say that he is good? Maybe our definition of good is wrong. Maybe we're looking for good things to happen to us in every situation in life. Maybe that's not what he's talking about here. Maybe it means that like Joseph said to his brothers after they sold him into slavery in Egypt, he said to them, listen, you guys, God knows the future. I don't. What Satan meant for evil, God used for good. Death exists in the world. Hurt exists in the world. It all exists because sin is real. Okay? But God doesn't make those bad things happen to us. He can use those bad things and make them good. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many believers. Get this, before Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before Genesis 1-1, before the earth was even a thought, God chose you. For everyone who follows Jesus and loves Jesus, God chose you. We think we chose God because we decided at one point in our life, I'm going to follow Jesus. That is essential that we decide that, that there is a point in our life where we say, I'm going to turn away from my sin, and I'm going to follow Jesus, and he's going to be the Lord of my life. But we didn't choose him. He chose us. And that shows us how sovereign he is. That before he even said, let there be light, He chose us. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. And then it says, what did he choose us for? For everyone that would come to Jesus and love him, he predestined that the path for your life would be conformity to the image of 
Jesus. So here's a good question for you to ask. Ask somebody that knows you best. Like ask your spouse, ask your mom or dad, ask a son or daughter, ask a best friend. But do this. This week, ask somebody, am I becoming more like Jesus? Like seriously, when I look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I look at the life of Jesus, is there proof in my life that I'm chosen by God? Am I becoming more like Jesus? And be honest with yourself. Because honestly, for me, there's sometimes I ask that question, and I'm in a slump, and i got to say, I don't know. Am I becoming more like Jesus? So ask that question. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he predestined to be like his son Jesus, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. So he predestined that you would be like his son Jesus, and then he called you by name. You responded, and he said, when you respond, you will be made right. Everything that you have done wrong because of the cross of Christ will be justified before my Father. Isn't that good news? Like, there's nothing I could do from this point forward in my life that would condemn me again. Because all of my past sins, all of the sins I commit right now in my life, and all the sins I will commit have been forgiven and justified in the name of Jesus. And here's the one part of the whole list that hasn't happened yet. But it will. And those he justified, he also glorified. That's why Mark and Jesselyn's story can be true. That's why they can experience the things that they've experienced. That's why you can experience the hard things that you've experienced and still live with faith that someday Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to put an end to all the pain, to all the suffering. And guess what? You will be glorified with him in heaven someday. Is that good news? I mean, I think that should probably get a little more. Is that good news? That's amazing. What then, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Like, if all that's true, what should be our reaction? Here it is. I love this powerful verse. If God is for us, who can be against us? We're done. I mean, seriously, if God is for us, who could be against us? Let's put on the blue paint and go out and fight, right? We should be screaming all sorts of things at this point. This is that God. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? Like, if he wouldn't even spare his own son, I could tell you what, there's not a person in this room I would spare my own son for. Forget about it. I love you, but not that much. If he spared his own son for all people, then don't we believe that he's going to provide for us everything that we need? Not only everything that we need physically, 
But in 1 Peter, it says he has given us everything that we need to live godly lives. Do we really believe that? I mean, do we believe the Holy Spirit inside of me is a reason why I can live a godly life? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Let me ask you a question. Who in this room has a right to condemn you? That's like a question that's meant to be answered. Who in this room has a right to, redem- to, to condemn you? Do I have a right to condemn you? Do you have a right to condemn me? Who in all, who, who in all of creation has a right to condemn you? Say it loud. Nobody. You know who does? Jesus. That sounds funny, because all we talk about is Jesus' grace for us. Jesus' grace for us. Jesus' grace for us. But guess what? He has the right to condemn you. He has the right to condemn me. You know why? First of all, because he's God. Second of all, because he lived a sinless life on this earth. Therefore, he could be the single sacrifice for all of the sins of mankind. So Jesus has the right to condemn us, not only on earth, because he lived a perfect life. You know, he did, Jesus doesn't have to say, I'm going to pull the, pull the log out of my own eye so that I can point out the speck in your eye. There ain't no log in Jesus' eye. He could point out every single speck of sin in your life if he wanted to. But what does he do for us instead? What does it say? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So instead of pointing out our sin, you know what he's saying to God on your behalf? I paid for that one. I paid for that one. No, that one too. I paid for that one. No, that's covered. It's not like God, his father, needed reminding that he died for us. But Jesus, I think, takes joy in sitting at his father's right hand, continually talking about the fact that I paid for him. I paid for her. And back at the beginning of this passage, it says, In order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. as brothers and sisters there because when he died, he actually died. He was dead, dead. He was in the grave for three days, like not breathing, dead. And then, in the power of God to defeat death, he rose from the dead. And at that point, he became the first from among the dead, which means that every single one of us who has Jesus as Lord and Savior is a brother or a sister to Jesus Christ. You get that? Like you've been given the right to become children of God, a brother or a sister of Jesus. This, this is all I'm getting. You are a brother or sister of Jesus who died for you. That's amazing. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sorority names like all the worst things he could think of fill in the blank? As it is written, for you, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He's like, even though we are being persecuted, we are being killed, guess what? None of that. No earthly thing that you could even possibly think of can separate us from the love of God. And so for that, we are convinced that we will continue on, that we will continue on, that we will continue on. Verse verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more, we're saying this, I love it, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You get that? Like, the victory hasn't just been won in the future, but right now, we are more than conquerors. Because Jesus loves you, you can't lose. You can't lose. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, you are our king. And so I pray that for every hurt, for every sadness, for every bit of shame, whether self-imposed or from other people, that every bit of suffering, that every bit of happiness, that every bit of joy... God, that we know that in the midst of that, none of it can separate us from your love. Because I know, Father, that there's people in the room right now that don't feel very loved. And there's people in the room right now that are not doing a good job loving. And there's people in the room right now that are sitting in their shame. And there's people in the room right now that are listening to the lies of Satan. There's people in the room right now that are joyful in things that don't matter. Things of the world, things of the earth that are going to pass away. The only way, Father that we can say, I can have joy through any circumstance, is to know that your love will never, ever, 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 ever fail us now on earth, and that we know our destiny is to be glorified with Jesus in your presence, God, someday in heaven forever. We are more, everybody say this with me, We are more than conquerors. Say it again. We are more than conquerors. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are more than a conqueror. Turn to the other person that you chose second and say, you are more than a conqueror. Isn't that good news? That's good news. Now I'm going to bring Mike McKeever up here. Um, Mike's a little older than I am. Just a little bit. How much? 
I just, you look good. This is Mike McKeever. Uh, Mike used to go to Olivet when this building was owned by Olivet Baptist Church. His wife, Marge, they are amazing people. Uh, they love Jesus, and um, they're also some of the most humble people um, that I've ever met because they do an extraordinary amount of ministry um, that you may never know about, except right now you're going to hear about some of it. But other than that, you may never know about it because they're that humble. Um, but Mike's going to share his testimony with us. Is that thing working? Uh, I think so. Can you hear me? So, Mike, you just uh, you start off by just telling us about your childhood, how you grew up, where you grew up, your family, okay. and then just keep going from there, and I'll interject where okay. I need to. Well, I grew up uh, out on the east side of Des Moines, and uh, I grew up out in the country at, where I got to ride horses and build tree houses, and I had a wonderful childhood. And my parents were Scottish and Irish, and my grandparents, and... My grandparents on my father's side, I called old-fashioned Baptist because they, you couldn't go to a dance and the women didn't wear makeup and, and everything. So I called them my old-fashioned Baptist grandparents. And then on my mother's side, big rollicking Irish clan. But if you didn't get two or three hugs a day, you, you, you must have been doing something wrong. Tim would fit right in. <laughs> well, and then I grew up out there, and I went to elementary school, and I went to junior high school, and now middle school now to modern-day parents, and that's where I met my wife, Marge. Funny story, she was a hall monitor in junior high, and they had a hall monitor at each end of the hall, and... If you, had, if you were out of class, you had to sign, get a hall monitor to sign your class. Well, it was right next to the boys' gym where Marge was, and so I used to sneak out of school, out of gym, and talk to Marge all during gym, and that's, that's how I met my wife. And, and then you would convince her to sign it so that you didn't miss out? Well, I never had her sign it. I just always snuck back into the gym. <laughs> And, and like I say, I had a great life, and I joined the Navy right after high school, and uh, when I was 17, and I got out when I was 21, and when I got out, Marge and I had been married, and I had a young son, and when I got back here, I got a job as a house painter, and you know, I, at 21, I just didn't seem like I was settled down. And one of the people that I worked with was a member of an outlaw biker gang. And I started hanging around there and eventually joined an outlaw motorcycle club and got into drugs and I got in heavy into drugs. And I think I was in the motorcycle gang for probably five or six years, and I got out of that because of uh, all the violence, and, and I robbed, and I stole from people, and uh, I got out of that because of all the violence, but I still was heavy into drugs, and my life didn't change much, and uh, I was on drugs for probably 15 years, and one time during that time, I got caught breaking into a drugstore to get drugs. 
Well, I went to jail, and of course the first thing I did was try to make a bargain with God. Can you imagine that? I told him, well, I said, Lord God, if you'll get me out of this, I'm going to straighten my life up, and I'm going to be in church every day, and, and I'm going to get back with my family together. And uh, I got out of it, and I got probation, so I didn't have to go to prison, but nothing changed. On the way to my probation officer, I stopped and got drugs and, and was high when I went there. And my life just kind of spiraled out of control. And uh, then one day, I had been on drugs for about 15 years. Forgive me if I get emotional. And uh, I had just had enough. And I went out and sat down in my lawn chair in my backyard. And I said, Lord, I want off of these drugs, but I can't do it without you. And uh, from that day forward, I quit drugs, was off of drugs. Just cold turkey. Just cold turkey. Yeah, with his help. And then my life was great then, but there was still something kind of missing in my life. And I had hung out with one of the guys from the club who had gotten out of the club at the same time I did and had become a Christian. And he and I had stayed together and he got remarried and his, his wife was a Christian. And so Marge and I would have them over at our house for dinner or we'd go to their house. And they kept inviting us to church and well, I kept making some excuse, you know, why we didn't want to go to church. And finally, one Saturday night, they, they invited us. And I said, well, we'll go the next morning. We'll go. And so they left our house. And after they left, I asked Marge, I said, you know, I never did ask them what denomination they were. And she said, well, they're Baptist. I said, oh, no. I said, well, we'll go to church one day, and, and, uh, and that'll, maybe that'll satisfy them. Well, we went to a church called Westbridge. It was a startup church, and man, we walked in, and I'm telling you, there was music playing, and somebody was playing the tambourine, and the people were so friendly that we just kept going to church from there. And uh, still something was missing and uh, one day my friend he invited me to a, a group called promise keepers and I know some of you men know about promise keepers and I said well I'll go where's it at and he said well it's in Minneapolis and I said well I'll go and uh, I went to promise keepers and the Friday started Friday night at six o'clock. For, for those who don't know what Promise Keepers is, tell them what that is. It's a Christian organization for men, uh, where you can go and hear messages and be with other men, and it's uh, the kind of a Christian organization that that reaches out to men, all men and boys. And we went the first night. It started on Friday night about six o'clock. I think we were late. We, we stopped to get pizza. And as, as some of you know who've been in the Metrodome, uh, when you're walking through the ne Metrodome, you really can't hear much of what's going on until you walk through the tunnel into there. And 
I walked into the tunnel and forgive me there were 66,000 men singing how great thou art and I just can't describe that feeling to you uh, it was just wonderful and men uh, some in thousand dollar suits sitting next to a, somebody in a scruffy leather jacket with a bandana on their head and it was just wonderful and that's what it should look like in here, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, on Saturday night, I don't remember who gave the message or what it was about, but man, when they called the altar call, whoosh, I was down on that floor, and, uh, and I got saved. And uh, afterwards, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, they were selling T-shirts and things and coffee mugs outside the next day, and I don't know if any of you have seen these t-shirts that somebody gets and say, I got this shirt at Joe's Surf Shop in Jamaica. Well, I bought a Promise Keeper's shirt. And uh, when I got home, little did I know that the ladies of the church had been praying for me. And uh, so when I got home, Marge asked me, she said, well, how'd it go? And I said, well, I got saved and I got a t-shirt. Can't get any better than that. Can't get any better than that. And so that's, that's my testimony, and, and my life has been so blessed by the Lord and uh, uh, now, and so that's my testimony. Tell us um, how you and Marge now, just a little bit about the way that you're staying in ministry and how, you, how you're passing the name of Jesus on to other people. Well, unfortunately, my health isn't too good, so I can't get into all the ministries I used to, but my passion is mentoring some of the young men of our church and, and uh, guiding them to be Christian men. And also, I love work. Marge and I love working with the Burmese people. They are just so great, and that is really our passion, is, is working, with the, working with the Burmese people. And you live, you kind of live among where some other Burmese well, people we, live? Yeah, we, and we did have a couple of them that lived on the corner, and we had the little girls that come to Awanas at night, you know, and, and, and that's great. And we just tried to be there to help them, to guide them, and, uh, uh, you know, just anything we can do for them and, and meet with them. And they are such a great people and such a loving people and good Christian people, but that's our passion. Um, the band's going to come back up, but as they do, tell us how, that, how we as a church can be praying for you and Marge. Well, you can pray for Marge and I uh, to just keep our spiritual spirit alive. You know, sometimes in this busy world you get, uh, you, you forget about it, and, or you don't forget about it, but you just get off into other things and you could just pray for us that we that we would stay uh truth you know uh with the lord and not let other things get in our way and that's for me uh but just pray for us in general that would be good and for your help and that too. we could continue our ministry as long as possible yes yeah awesome well thank you mike for You're giving welcome. us your testimony that's pretty awesome Jesus.
Jesus can save anybody, obviously. Uh, uh, now we're, we are going to celebrate. This is supposed to be a time of celebration um, where we remember what Jesus did for us. And he, it's so cool that he actually gave us things to do that by. He gave us the bread that represents his body broken for us. And he gave us the cup that represents his blood poured out for us. And uh, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we've said it the past couple weeks, but there needs to be a point. Uh, where every person who wants to be a follower of Jesus comes to him and says, um, like Mike did, I know I can't save myself. I know my sin separates me from you. I cannot save myself. Um, And where you say, I want you to be Lord of my life, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to give this all up. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles along the way. I know most of you know this, but we all need to preach the gospel to ourselves on a regular basis because we forget That was Mike's prayer request. We forget, you know? And so we're going to take time now. This is when we remember what Jesus did for us. And if you are here this morning and you have not made that choice to give your life to Jesus so that he can save you for eternity in heaven, do that now. Do that now. Pray that prayer. Confess to Jesus that you can't save yourself and you need him to forgive your sins. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're so thankful for our salvation. We are so thankful that you were obedient to your Father and you came down to this broken earth to die for us. And we know, we know that there is nothing in heaven and earth that can separate us from your love. And so because of that, we celebrate you now and we celebrate that someday we will be glorified in your very presence in heaven for eternity. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody just to hold their hand up like this. And let's pray together. Jesus, you are holy and that you have given us through the cross everything that we need to live an abundant life. A life where we know we are broken and that you can fill. And so, God, we pray now that you would just fill us with your spirit to live lives that glorify you first and that make you known to the world around us. Father, I pray that every day our hearts would be on their knees, our hearts on our knees, that we understand our brokenness, that we acknowledge our brokenness to you and that you have made us right, that you have made us new, that you have given us a new existence in the name of Jesus and that all wrong, all sin, all suffering, God is made right in you. So thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. We're going to have our ministry fair now. If you are manning a booth, you need to go back to your booth right away. And then everybody else just funnel out and stop by and talk to some people.